Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. And the badassador with more goals than Ronaldo, Matty A. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on cool. Me too. You're doing great, dude. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. All right, brothers, listen, a couple of changes on the 2017 event schedule. Had a couple of people bail for various reasons on a couple of these trips. So now where we didn't have some openings, we have a few openings if you are interested. All right, so first of all, May 31st, Fambundance, Philly. Several spots left there, May 31st to June 2nd, right before the One Life Fully Live conference. Uh, see Tim Road or Mike McCarthy about that. One Life Fully Live is June 3rd and 4th in Philly. And then on June 7th, a couple of the players are going to go straight from there up to Maine. But we have a group of eight hard chargers, uh, Go Abundance Brothers, going. We have two Go Crew going a day ahead of time to Mount Katahdin in Maine. We're going to hike from June 7th to June 11th, and then we're going to party at the Hollywood Casino on Summit Day. Then you'll leave on the 11th. We had uh, someone had to bail on that one as well. So we have two spots. If you are interested, that's going to be an incredibly gratifying, self-reliant trip, and uh, we're going to go... A deep sometimes the best time is had you know when you're just kind of walking in nature and going deep with your brothers we're gonna be digging deep on one sheets etc etc on the climb so that's great Mount Katahdin that is the final summit spot of the Appalachian Trail so when people go from Georgia to Maine we're just going straight to Maine we're flying into Bangor Maine June 7th to June 11th see Melanie about that Melanie at GoBundance.com. And then the Fam Abundance was sold out, but now there is two extra spots. Two families have bailed, and there are two extra spots on Fam Abundance Solar Eclipse in Jackson Home, Wyoming. Only several places in the United States you can see this solar eclipse. A bunch of people are driving Winnebago's to there, or you could just fly direct there and get there. That way, there is the Summer Tribal Gathering, which is happening in Austin, Texas, September 9th to September 11th. You can see Melanie about that. And then you got One Life West Coast. Mark your calendars, October 21st and 22nd. And then the Belize trip for couples. There's a Belize trip, Couples Mastermind. Don't forget that is an incredible 
event uh, got five star reviews pat cullinane just absolutely manages this with his wife sam and they do a great couples adventure and then we have the international trip to south africa uh, still some spots there if you want to go i have 15 people signed up and plus one go crew that is going to videotape and photography the whole thing and help us with our one sheet presentations while there so that's a september 24th to october 4th incredible hey by the way i just you know one of the things we're going to do in south africa is hit the legends which is a premier golf course like the best one there and they have this thing this 19th hole the only way to get there is a helicopter and you shoot your ball off the cliff and if you get a hole in one you get a million dollars i just read that morgan freeman yes the morgan freeman just shot a hole in two and he got boofed so if you want to do better than morgan come on down September 24th to October 4th, South Africa. And if you are a champion member with a net worth of $5 million or more or an a adjusted gross income of a $1 million or more a year, you can go to David Osborne's house for a special champions event in Steamboat Springs, Colorado on July 9th through the 12th. For details, see Melanie. So there's some great events, guys. Take advantage of these opportunities because they're all lifetime bucket list adventures. On with the show! Grab life big. Okay, go bros. We have a super special guest and I have my favorite in the whole entire world co-host. Mr. Yeah, Maddie baby. A is co-hosting with me, and Mr. Mike Dillard is in the GoBro room. Welcome, fellas. Absolutely. Glad to be here, guys. It's going to be fun. Let's do it. So, Mike, hey, why don't you just quickly, maybe four or five minutes, give us a rundown on Mike Dillard from the day you were born to today. <laughs> Damn, Hybe, we don't got that much time, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, the, the nutshell version is I, I started my first business in college, you know, took an interest in entrepreneurship then when I was waiting tables because it sucked and I did not uh, want to have a boss for the rest of my life. Got involved in network marketing. That was in the late, late 90s, early 2000s before, you know, social media existed. This is, this is web 1.0 days before YouTube and, and all of that stuff. So network marketing was kind of a an easy fit for someone who was broken waiting tables and pursued that business unsuccessfully for five or six years before I I figured out that my talent was not in networking or, or selling with individuals over the phone or in person, but more as a direct response marketer and learning how to write copy and, and figuring out the fact that I could actually sell something successfully online through the written word rather than in person. Uh, that was a big transformative point in my life. Uh, I applied those marketing techniques to that industry, and within uh, about 18 months, I went from waiting tables to making my first million bucks. Turned that into an eight-figure publishing company. Uh, in 2010, I started a different company in the financial education space. I just turned 30. I wanted to figure out what the hell I needed to do with the money that my business was making. Uh, that was a very, very successful business. We 
uh, had 8,600 people join in the first week, did about $3 million in sales in the first seven days, turned that into a multiple eight-figure business over the next three years, uh, gave that uh, equity and sold that equity to my business partner at the time. And then in 2014, I've been pursuing a uh, self-made man and uh, kind of a tech startup in the, the hydroponic food space. Uh, and both of those, uh, you know, have been kind of my full-time ventures since then. Wow. And in the meantime, you had a kid, right? Yeah, I had, you know, full, a full <laughs> cycle, had a kid, got a divorce, the whole, the whole thing. Oh, geez. You know, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a hell of a, hell of a whirlwind the last 15 years or so. Well, we have a ton of questions, but um, I'm sure the one that everybody is thinking is, how in the fuck did you get Gene Simmons on your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's an interesting business, right? Because how do you get how do you grow your show and your podcast to be you know as large as you can? And one of the best ways you can do that is to have really big, well known guests that get up a lot of attention, but. It's very hard to get those guests on your show if you don't have an audience because it's not really worth their time. So we're kind of in the middle uh, of the the spectrum on it when it comes to size. The podcast gets about 175 or so thousand downloads a month, which is bigger than most podcasts, but not as big as others. Uh, so we're kind of in no man's land uh, in many ways. So we actually hired a, a PR firm out in LA that has a lot of contacts in that space and. You know, we just hired them to help us bring guests like Gene onto the show. Um, you what know, do you got to pay for that? To do that, what do you what do you pay? You know, for Gene, I think we're 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 really our goal was to get two or three kind of a list guests, right? We've had some big people on the show. We've already had Tony Robbins. We've had Damon John. We've had Kevin Harrington. We've had Mike Rowe. You know, so we've had a nice selection of pretty big guests so far. But I think for Gene, we paid like three grand. Uh, so to you the get, PR you, firm to get him. So, so you, you got to pay like per guest, huh? Well, it's this is the first time we've ever done that, right? Okay. I'm just I'm just yeah. looking for ways to how can we get two or three really big names on the show? Because once you do that, it makes it infinitely easier when you go out to get right. the next set of guests and say, "Hey, look, Gene's been on the show, and these guys have been on the show," and they just typically just say yes once they see that proof, right? So right, that, and that's uh, that's all yeah. you need it for because because what I found is that. The guest itself doesn't really get you many more viewers. You know what I mean? Like uh, I, I actually interviewed a guy who's had a, a financial planner who's had Tony Robbins on his show twice, and his downloads were like minimal. And he told yeah. me it didn't even bump, which makes sense because, you know, the guest isn't what's getting it there. You know, that you can use the guest as leverage, like you said, but other than that, it, it's only going to happen if they advertise it for you or you advertise it for yourself. Right. You got to be yep. able to plug into those marketing channels to really get the most out of it. And I know, uh, Mike, you're really good at how you leverage your marketing channels and your affiliate relationships. And I know there's a lot of guys in our GoBundance community that have either interests or goals of starting a podcast. What is your take on how saturated the space is becoming? And how do you stand out from the rest, being that yours is one of those podcasts that you might think it's in that no man's land, and yet it does kind of step up and stand out on that kind of higher end tier. Well, here's what most people don't really get. I did not start a podcast to build an audience. Okay, so I already have an audience. My audience is primarily my email readership, which is, you know, four or 500,000 people. 
Uh, that's my audience that I've had for years, and that's what I focus on is growing my email list because that I have found over the last 15 years has been the single most profitable marketing channel that there is. So for me, I started the podcast to provide value to that existing audience. So instead of me having to create videos or write articles or blog posts every single week, which takes a lot of time, I was like, well, if I just start a podcast, I can have guests on the show that can bring new and interesting topics to the table every single week, and they can do all the work. And all I have to do is sit there and ask them questions for 60 minutes. And you know, at the end of uh, that process, I've got a fantastic piece of really interesting, entertaining, and educational content that I can send to my list you know, once a week. So for me, that's why I started the podcast, and the entire purpose of it is, is for that value uh, proposition and that reason. So I think starting a podcast to build an audience is a really dumb thing to do these days. Uh, I think it is oversaturated. Everybody's doing the interview format. And if you're not doing the interview format and you've got to do it solo, that's just super hard to do as well. But I think it's the best mechanism that I've ever found to deliver value and build rapport with your existing audience on a regular, consistent basis. So that's that's kind of my take on it. That's that's the whole reason I started it and what I'm using it for. And I think if you want to build an audience, you should do it a different way, which you know is via email or Facebook or YouTube, uh, which are much, much, much infinitely bigger mediums and channels, and that have you know advertising mechanisms, so you can advertise and set up a marketing campaign to essentially buy the attention of uh, your audience to build it quickly rather than organically, which is really what you'd have to do through a podcast. So uh, I think that's just kind of a huge distinction between a podcast and everything else out there. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people too that are now, you know, you were way ahead of the curve on the importance of building an email list. And you hear people, you know, Pat does a lot of interviews in, in the real estate space. We have a lot of real estate guys in our community and you hear the the database, the database, the database, and yet, you know, the email list is the same thing in any other business. What are some of the things that someone who is intentionally trying to build an email list should do and also avoid as kind of the rookie mistakes that you see a lot of people making out there? You know, whenever I write an email to my audience, I do so with a couple of ideas in mind, which is first and foremost, is this going to be valuable to my readers or are they going to think that it was a waste of their time? Right. Yeah. So that's number one. Is this going to be a value to them? Because if it is and, and they learn that when Mike sends me an email, it's going to be useful, then great. Then they, they start to open all of my emails on a consistent basis. And if, it's, if it doesn't pass that test, I typically don't send it. Uh, two, I try to make it interesting and entertaining. So I try to start off with a story of some kind, or I definitely like to include at least one image and one picture in every email. I try to make it personal. I don't have a corporate header logo at the top or a corporate email template. It's just a white email with my photo, and it says, hey, John, and I'll include some pictures from you know my life that week or that are relevant to the content of that email. And then there's always a clear call to action on what I want them to do at the end of the email. You know, go watch this video go register for this webinar, go listen to this podcast, whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, I think that's, those, those are kind of the basics. It's not real complicated. You know, there's nothing, there's no rocket science to it. It's just be really authentic and provide value to folks and try to be as entertaining or interesting during that process as you can. And, and I think you win. 
That's great. I know a lot of, uh, you know, individuals that are, are doing this, you know, it, it seems like everybody now is selling a course or, or building a community. And that's something you've had a lot of success in. You're always kind of ahead of the curve, it seems like. What are you doing to keep your community and your brand or your, your products and offerings ahead of the curve? Mm, good one. You know, it's that's an interesting question because on one hand, I don't really think I, I'm doing anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I think quality has been my primary focus the last two or three years. The, the quality of the look and feel of our branding. So... I redid MikeDiller.com. Which looks great, the, by the way. Yeah, thanks. I, I read, you know, when we've been filming for Self-Made Man Society video lessons, you know, I've got a, a f- videographer who flies down in from L.A. that's worked on Transformers and Batman and Spider-Man and, you know, all kinds of huge movies. And it's just, you know, one young guy who comes down with his his gear, but he does an awesome job in capturing and editing and... It's raising the bar, you know, from that perspective. Uh, so it's how can you stand out, right? Because you mentioned it. Everybody's doing something along these lines. So the question right. is now, well, how can you put yourself at the top of that heap? And the, the assuming all of the content is equal, then it's through the professionalism and the production values of what you're producing. With that being said, that stuff's not necessary. You know, I've built a $50 million education business without that in the past. But I think, uh, you know, now I'm more interested in in pushing myself personally to produce the best business and brand and content that I can. And then now moving into the future, you know, what I'm focused on is we are on the cusp of dramatic, dramatic changes over the next 36 months when it comes to experiencing content. And, you know, Zuckerberg just had his big announcement for Facebook and where they're headed with augmented reality this week. And it just boggles my mind. Like I can hardly wrap my head around it, let alone, you know, try to figure out how to incorporate that into our business at this point. But I do know a couple of things are are coming up here fairly quickly again in the next 24, 36 months. Once you know, VR is going to start to be, become more and more prominent. Yeah. Augmented reality is going to start to become more and more prominent. What, so, what's, what's augmented reality? <clears throat> augmented reality is when you're looking through glasses or a mask and you see your normal world but it's overlaid with digital assets okay right so i'm looking out into the world and i see spider-man swinging across the city of austin skyline <laughs> you know or whatever right so so, so you're so you're walking through austin and spider-man starts crawling across i mean what totally what, yeah okay so so it's an acid trip that you could stop <laughs> right that you're not stuck it's, in why would you want that though we're gonna we're, it's going to change the world in the next three to five years in ways that we cannot even imagine. You know, so f- what I can do, though, is I can see that coming and I can at least do what I can do now. Right. So now Which what is I can what? do is, yeah. yeah. So now what I can do is I can start to film all of our lessons using a 360 camera, right? So there's the, the, the Samsung Gear 360. Facebook just announced one that they have this week. And these are relatively inexpensive cameras that are 300 bucks that have a 360 degree, you know, vision capability. And we're recording all of our lessons with that. And essentially what that will allow us to do is in two years and three years when everybody's got a VR headset or an augmented reality headset, you can now watch our lessons and our content uh, in virtual reality, right? So 
it's th what we're producing this year is still going to be relevant three years from now, and we're not going to have to start over, and we'll actually be ahead of the curve, and we'll be the first ones with the library of VR-compatible content. You know, so that's as far as I can see. I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen from a, an augmented reality perspective two years from now, but they're, you know, using terms like, you know, base reality is is what the term they're using now to describe reality with any, without any kind of augmentation. And then there's going to be like level one reality or I don't know, but it's just, it's going to get really ridiculous. Yeah. So, so I had a buddy the other day that was sitting face to face with Gary Vanderchuk and he was talking about online communities, online education and the user base. And he was basically talking about how the, you know, the next, uh, economic crisis could crush a lot of these online coaches and platforms. What's your thought, being that you've been in this space for so long, on how do you recommend someone insulate their business against those kind of market shifts? Well, it's interesting. It depends on what your niche is and what you're selling, right? Um, and and I think you have to adjust if something like that happens. So, you know, I started. Uh, elevation after the 2008 crash because I okay. wanted to figure out how to invest and how are the, the wealthy investing in this post crash economy and that was the single most successful business I've ever I've ever started and it's because we tapped into you know the fear and the worry and the unknown uh, right, that, that people pain. had right after that crisis so you know ever since then too it's just gotten bigger and bigger every year the survival slash prepper industry my gosh, if there's any industry in the world that, you know, has an unlimited amount of opportunity in a scenario like that, it's that, it's that industry, right? So, <laughs> so, yes, so, dead, so right? yeah, so d dig into that exact fear that you just tapped into, Matt, which is, you know, the negative of it, tap into that, right? And so for me, for like real estate agents, it would be how to protect yourself or how to like a recharge or defibrillator for dying businesses or whatever. Yeah, you just yeah. Have, the, the important thing is here's you have to shift, right? You can't right. keep selling the same stuff if the market, you know, changes. And the good news is if you have a following, if you have this virtual distribution channel of an email list or whatever, it's really easy. Hey, guys, you know, the market crashed yesterday. What the hell are we going to do now? Well, you know, we're going to figure it out. And here's what we're doing. Here's blah, 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 blah. And you just shift your marketing. You change your, your, your you know, sales message. And, uh, and you adjust. And it's, it's really easy. It's not something I think about or worry about. It, to me, it just creates a ton of new opportunity. So Right. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, in the in those pain points is a lot of opportunity if you can, like you said, shift and stay ahead of the curve. With that, what what does your team look like right now, Mike? A lot of people might aren't from the outside looking in go, man, he's he's got to be running a massive organization to be pulling those kind of numbers in. And I always love to kind of peer behind, uh, you know, peek behind the curtain, and most of the time you realize you have a few select talented individuals, but not a massive team. So, what does yours look like? Uh, it's me and two customer service agents. That's freaking badass. Yeah. So I, I mean, everything else is outsourced, right? So, uh, my Facebook ad campaigns and traffic are run by, you know, a third party agency. My tech for the last five years has been run by a third party agency. I actually just brought on uh, my good friend Craig back about two months ago, you know, to kind of speed things up, uh, when I needed tech stuff done. So what else is there? Yeah, that's it. 
that's it. Everything everything's done on an outsourced basis. So, and you do most of the copy yourself. Uh huh. Yeah. So how do you have this worked out, Mike, with this um, back end society? I know David said he 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 went there and shot uh, you and David shot something for three hours one day in, in uh, over top of Austin, and I see you got this one ad on Facebook with you guys doing that. What's your what's your game there, and can you elaborate and tell us about it? Yeah, uh, you know, the the business right now is very simple, but it's very profitable. We have two products. One is uh, a course on how to build a large audience and email list, and that's an extremely detailed, you know, 20 to 30-hour A to Z course that we sell for $1,500. And then we have the Self-Made Man Society, which is a monthly uh, mentoring program, you know, 37 a month, uh, where I've been traveling around the country with my videographer for the last year and interviewing uh, you know, successful founders like David, like Andy Frazella and and uh, a couple of other really big folks to really just provide mentorship on an ongoing basis to students who, you know, can't afford uh, Liscro or, or anything else like that. And that provides, you know, a continuity side of uh, the business model. How many people do you have on that? Honestly, I haven't looked. Uh, last time I looked, it was like between 1,000 and 2,000. So that'd be about um, thirty-seven thousand a month you're getting from that. Yeah, and a lot of you know a lot of people pay the annual, so we offer an annual for like two ninety-seven. Um, and then what do they get that, for that? They, do, they go uh, that's, into that's like access a, to all of the lessons, right? So, so they kind of private go, members area. So yeah. they go into a, a back end area and they can just watch any of these videos that they want. Right, right. And then they can cancel anytime. Yep. Yeah, dollar for dollar, by far and away the biggest value that we've you know we've really ever offered the production values the content for what we're charging it's it's uh yeah, it's kind right. of ridiculous and but, yeah. and let me ask you this because I'm, I'm building something similar but i want to um set it up so they can unlock certain videos after they pay a certain amount do you, do you know how I could have that set up? Do you or or what do you use? To yeah, set wish yours up? wish uh, wish list member is what I used, you know, to run the platform, and that has any kind of capability you want. Kajabi is another option. I haven't looked at exactly what their feature set is, but I know that that's a really popular. I just option. I just signed up for wish list today, as a matter of fact, 40, yeah. 42 bucks a month. So I, I use Thinkific, and then so that'll work perfect. Cool, and th- and that's great. And then, so tell us about your hydroponics business. What uh, you mentioned that on stage at the GoBundance event, and I saw your email today was like, "Hey, guess what? After two years and two million bucks, I'm finally ready to go." Uh, well, the the uh, the interesting part about the video today is 20 minutes long. Is basically an explanation that uh, I'm, I've pulled the plug on it. So there's uh, some breaking news for you. But, <laughs> of course, I didn't uh, watch the video. I just saw the thing. So you put, okay, so tell yeah. us about what happened. What lessons Ivan, you did know, you learn? Assuming, you know, there's a key word in assume. I'm not going to fill in the blank there, but Hyben's really good at making assumptions and looking like an ASS. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Every single <laughs> other person <laughs> on, fa- on Facebook <laughs> did as well. Yeah. Gotcha. Because, uh, so why, were, why did you pull the, the plug on it, Mike? You know, a couple of things, a couple of reasons. One, it it had gotten much more expensive than expected. Mm. I'd already put a million bucks in cash into it, and it needed essentially another two million on top of that to get to a production ready state. Wow. You know, tooling alone is eight hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, that meant I had to bring on investors, which I didn't want to do. 
But the primary reason is that the market had shifted, you know, as well. I started that process about two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. The market, the products that were on the market, I knew what they were at that time, and and we based our product on, you know, filling the needs that those did not provide for, uh, and filling their weaknesses. And in the last, you know, ninety to one hundred twenty days, the market uh, has changed specifically with a company called Click and Grow, who frankly has a better, more elegant solution, and in the past, for the past six years, they've only had a little three-plant system that you can put on your countertop to grow basil with. So that was not really relevant to us. And then about 90 days ago, they came out with a system that, gr- that grows nine plants, 35 plants, and 51 plants. And ours grew uh, 36. And they could do, you know, they could sell their system at basically a third of what we could sell ours for. So they could sell theirs for a thousand, and ours would wow. have to cost around three grand. And it beat us in every category. It beat us in price. It beat us in ease of use. It beat us in, in you know, uh, support. And it's just a much better business model that, you know, we just, we didn't expect them to come out with all of these new platforms. So, you know, that caused us to take a long, hard look. And I was like, you know, if I have to go out and raise two million bucks from friends and family to finish this, I can't do that in good conscience with, with this new system out there that, you know, personally, I might rather buy. And so it made the decision pretty simple and easy. It's like, I've already put a million bucks into this. I'm not going to raise capital for it. So there's really only one conclusion here, which is uh, the surprise twist of this was to invest in Click and Grow. <laughs> so, mm. No shit. Uh, so, did, is it, so did you do that? I did. I did. I called the founder and over the course of a few months, we, we got to know each other. I in, uh, invested six figures in Click and Grow and uh, <laughs> am now providing marketing, my marketing expertise to them. So, so. so you, get, you, get, uh, you get to scratch your itch uh, <laughs> as sort of in that arena and you don't feel bad about trashing two million bucks. But what, so tell us, t- two years... Two million dollars, you know, you a mil, a mil, one, one, one mil, just FYI. I just don't want to. I want to be accurate. I, okay. I, I, lo- I lost a mil on it. Yeah. All right, chump change, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> what's your lesson? What'd you learn? What can we learn? The lesson is, you know, for me, it's it's one thing to go into a new business arena where you can still apply your your primary skill set. So, for example, it would be one thing for me to maybe start a software as a service company that w- is is within the online marketing space, right? I've never done software, so that's new, but it's within my, my industry and my market, and I have an audience of people who would be ready to buy that when it's done. It's a different thing to go into a completely new industry, in this case, you know, botany, horticulture, agriculture, whatever you want to call it. Uh, in a, in a, a completely new product category, which is a physical high-tech product, which I've never done, you know, before at all, and, and have to build a product that needs to be complete first before I can use my hu- stupid human trick, which is marketing. So the big lesson was: do something new and different, but with only one de- within only one degree of separation from what you already do, and not two or three degrees of separation where mm. you are starting over from complete ground zero. So that was mistake number one. And mistake number two was, you know, not bringing on the experts who who are experts in that space onto the home team from the beginning. You know, in this case, I outsourced the industrial design. 
uh, and all of that stuff. And, and they've developed a ton of award-winning tech products, but they've never done anything in the, the hydroponic space. So, you know, they're having to figure that part out of the equation as well. And I can't give them any guidance because I don't know anything about hydroponics other than, you know, some books that I bought off Amazon. And so what I really needed to do was bring on a full-time industrial designer who's potentially worked in the hydroponic space before and do everything in-house. And if we had done that, we would have saved, you know, probably 75% of our, our development costs, you know, rather than outsourcing that to a, a third-party yeah, firm. So, yeah. Some so good insight stick there. with what you know. Stick with what you know. So in other words, me and Matt should get the fuck out of the digital world and stick with real <laughs> estate. Uh, well, you know, I mean, again, you can get into the digital world and talk about real estate, which is great, right? Like I'm getting into the virtual reality world, but I'm doing so within the same kind of content and market and, and, and uh, you know, niche that I'm already in, right? So we have to change and evolve. We have to push the limit or we'll just get left behind, but do so within your industry. So yeah, if you're in real estate, great. Pursue online as, as much as you possibly can. That's where the world is, and and it's just going to get you know even more so in that direction. Don't go pursue internet marketing for the first time in a completely new industry, right? right. So yeah. yeah, yeah, double double down in in your area of expertise, but like you said, leverage the the new tools and spaces that can complement your expertise, right? Sure. Yep. I want to switch it up to a little bit in regards to being that we have so many guys that are very open to masterminds and engage with masterminds. I'm curious to know your progression of masterminds being that you've, you know, you're now, you know, been in Tiger 21. Uh, Dro has been, Osborne's been in that with you. Where, where, when was your first mastermind and what has been the progression that has led you to where you're at today in masterminds? Uh, you know, I, I went in my first mastermind with Yonic Silver way back at the beginning of my online marketing career, probably 10 years ago. And I did that for year two. And since then, you know, I've just kind of been in and out. Uh, Tiger's the only one that I've been in for more than a year. How come? I think this is my, my third year with Tiger. I, I get tired of the travel, frankly. The, the travel component, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. is just is just annoying and um and you have to be in a mastermind where, or at least you want to be in a mastermind where you're the dumbest person in the room. And from an internet internet perspective, that's rarely the case with me. But with Tiger, it's definitely the case with me. Like I, I, in our Tiger group, I am by far and away the least successful person in there. So there's a lot of value and wisdom for me for me to gain in that world. Um, but you know, as far as the the entrepreneur space, I really haven't been in a mastermind in. In quite a while, again, I'll dip my toe in and out. I did 25K with Joe Polish a, a year or two ago, and and I went to two of them, and it, it was cool. I met some cool people, but I just didn't want to get on a plane and spend 25 grand, uh, you know, once a quarter to go to go do that anymore. I think uh, I'm trying to move into. Let's put it this way: if there was a mastermind available that was, you know, primarily filled with Silicon Valley startup founders who are running bigger businesses than mine and on the cutting edge, you know, uh, of tech in that world, I would absolutely join that. But, you know, that hasn't come across my table yet. So, yeah, we often talk a lot about and go abundance of, you know, the whole life millionaire, not just being, you know, having financial abundance and then being bankrupt in your relationships and your health and your spirituality and giving back. But having this kind of, you know, you can have it all mentality and live like a millionaire in all areas of life that are important to you. I'm curious, what what does wealth mean to you? What's your definition of wealth? 
my definition of wealth is having the the freedom to do what I want when I want. You know, I think that's always been my primary motivation is I'm always super happy if I've got enough money to go do what I want when I want, right? Like take a trip, you know, go to go to F1 in Monaco, which is what we're doing next month. And then we're going to do a safari with Branson in September. And as long as I can go do that stuff, you know, I'm super happy and I feel wealthy. And, uh, you know, I've got the time that I want to spend uh, about the people, you know, with the people that I care about. So my son, my parents, my best friends, uh, you know, that to me, that freedom is the biggest source of wealth in my life, at least. Yeah. Are you chasing, um, and you may not be chasing anything, but to you, is, is a passive income more important or is net worth more weighted in your life? You know, right now, it's both. You know, I, I definitely, the, the goal is passive income. And I'm at a transition point right now. You know, over the past two years, I've put the vast majority of my free cash flow into Evergrow and now into what we're building with Self-Made Man and, and all of that stuff. So my biggest investments over the last two or three years have been my businesses with the expectation that over the next three to five years, I'm going to have an exit. Uh, around that, mm. that was the plan with Evergrow, which is obviously not the case anymore. You mean an but exit? The, you're going to sell them. Sell yeah. It. So my primary my primary focus and driver is to develop self made man into uh, you know a substantial online business that I can sell in the next three to five years for you know twenty five to one hundred million bucks. So that's my that's my investment strategy. I know I can make that happen. I don't know how much it'll be worth, but I know. You know, I should be able to to hit that goal. So that's uh, that's the plan uh, at the I, moment. I, I like that goal. It's funny because I've never had a goal like that. Always been in the real estate game where the exits are small, right? You know, a couple hundred grand maybe on a flip or or a sale mm-hmm. of an apartment building or something. But never had this, you know, building the idea of building something for you know twenty five to a hundred million dollars. And I think that's brilliant insight to start thinking like that build something excellent you know with the end in mind like i heard your jeff hoffman interview by the way which was incredible and i just got his book all the go abundance brothers just got his book and uh, that's what he said he said you know you know everything he's done he's just built something to be incredibly excellent and it and eight times it, it's all sold for you know tens or hundreds of millions of dollars and that's just the way he thought yeah. from day one. He thought, I'm going to build shit that's going to sell for, you know, that's going to exit majorly. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the, the hard thing about a, personal, a personally branded business, you know, like I've been in the last 10 years. It's the easiest in the world to build, uh, you know, building a brand around yourself and your knowledge and your leadership. But at the end of the day, there's no exit from it. I can't sell MikeDiller.com. Right. right. It's not it's not going to happen. And after doing that for 10 years, I'm like, this this kind of sucks because I can never leave. It's a treadmill I cannot get off of. Mm. Um, and I was like, I don't want to do that for the next 20 years. I want to build something that is not dependent upon me, that has value that I can sell and walk completely walk away from and have it meet my lifelong financial goal. And then I'll go do whatever the heck I feel like doing after that. But um, I don't want to be forced to be in this guru space. <laughs> you know, for the next 10 or 20 years. Well, so. well this is fascinating because I, I went, I was at the Baby Bathwater Conference. I think that uh, you've been or you're going next uh-huh, time or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a guy, I can't remember his name, but he was like the CEO, COO of Beachbody. 
right? You guys know Beachbody. Uh, yeah, uh, Babak. Yeah, he's he's actually uh, one of my coaches. Okay, Babak, right. So, yeah. you know, he was there 10 years or whatever. He took it from like five employees to thousand, right? I don't, I don't know, I'm making these numbers up. But, but so uh, he had a class and it was called, uh, you know, how to take a personal brand and make it a non-personal brand so that you could have an exit. That was what the course was on. It was fascinating. And, you, you know, Beachbody is a great example because, you know, Tony Horton, who a lot of people think, you know, Tony Horton owns Beachbody. Well, he, he was an employee. You know what I mean? They, like Beachbody was built. Who's the guy that built Beachbody? What's his name? I, I know it. It's on the tip of my tongue. So this yeah. guy, right, builds this company with the end in mind, like Mike's talking about called beach body not called tony horton but then he hired tony horton and everyone thinks he owns it so the 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 moral of this story is start adding like matt and i would add co-hosts matt and i Mm -hmm. would add people to help us do things and maybe you mike would add someone to help you do the interviews that's a tony horton right uh rather than you you got to get out of that mindset i got to get out of that mindset matt has to get out of that mindset yeah, so you know the the plan for me with Self Made Man moving forward is we're building uh, a huge digital platform like Skillshare uh, and filming video lessons with other founders, you know, in VR. And it's not going to be about me anymore. The only thing that I will continue to do for the foreseeable future is the podcast. But everything else about the brand and the platform is not about Mike anymore at all. It has to do. I'm just one of the other educators that are among you know a hundred people. So it's going to be like um, Udemy, but uh, in virtual very, reality. Yeah, yeah, very well, very much along the lines of of that kind of platform. But you know, again, with the future in mind, we're filming everything right now in normal video, but also in VR. So again, three years from now, the content's still going to be relevant. That's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah so. I love what uh, what Jeff Hoffman said too. Was you know, the you the the who is not you. You know, you are not scalable. But if you yeah. build a band uh, of you know leaders and influencers within your brand, then you have the leverage to scale your business. But yeah, just like you said, I mean, you don't want to be in this in this game forever. Even though it's not necessarily the rat race. I mean, if your if your brand and your company is built around you, then you are tied to that production and showing up. Yeah, build, build, the the biggest mistake, you know, of my career, I'd say is that I have not built businesses that, that have the potential for an exit. And at the end of the day, you're, if you're not doing that, you're just, you're not taking advantage of your single biggest point of leverage, right? So why would you want to sell a business? It's because it allows you to essentially bend a time. It's a time machine. Mm -hmm. So if I can sell my business for, let's say, you know, 5x, well, great. I get to, uh, you know, essentially hop in a time machine and compress the next five years of my life and achieve and realize those earnings today and That's walk away analogy. and then spend those next five years, which are now free, to do something else. If not, I would have lost those five years still doing the same stuff that I'm doing right now. You know, so. That's gold. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Mike, we've let you slide on all our, our regular questions that we asked the GoBros. So, but I'm going to wrap this up with our with our tradition of giving you a random question off of the GoBundance app. Are oh, you ready? Gosh. I hope it's not <laughs> the sure. one between like saving your mom and a baby hanging off a cliff or something <laughs> like that. Know. If it is, I'll fast forward. <laughs> so let's do this. Mike. What do you give intense meaning to that most others don't? 
Hmm. That most others don't. I don't know if that's uh, a part of it. I know. I know. I give intense meaning to you know people doing what they say they're going to do um, or doing the right thing. <laughs> you mean honor? You know, and uh, conducting them, their businesses and themselves with integrity. I think. I think would be a huge pet peeve of mine. Mm. Um, if you say you're going to show up on time. You know, if we have an agreed meeting spot, if I'm going to pick you up outside your hotel or whatever, I'm going to be there like five to ten minutes before, period. And it is a, a huge pet peeve of mine when people do not do the same or they're 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 late or whatever it may be. You see it as disrespect. Uh, what's that? You see it as a disrespect. Yeah, absolutely. Where's that come from? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's just a part of doing what you say you're going to do. And if we agreed on something, if we made an agreement, then. I'll keep my end of it, and your job is to keep your end of it. And, you know, if you're not willing to do that, then uh, you're kind of lied, I guess. I don't know, but you're... (laughs) you're, uh, Well, especially with time, right? Being the most precious resource that we all have at the end of the day, when someone shits on your time, it it is. It's a peeve for a lot of people, I think, so I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep, and and that being said, we said this was going to be 45 minutes. It's 45 minutes. We're going to cut it off. We are honoring... Your time, Mike. Thanks so much, buddy, for coming on. Uh, Thanks, you've been Mike. awesome. This has been great. And uh, we'll see you at the next GoBundance event, brother. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me uh, so much. I appreciate it. Cheers. Take care. Grab life big.